I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. And thank you for joining us on this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum. Today, we're going to talk about the Mountain West Mother's Milk Bank and the information we'll learn today could save the life of a newborn in your community, in your family, in your neighborhood. Joining us in studio is Elizabeth Smith. Now, she's with Patient Services, and she's also a baby-friendly coordinator at the University of Utah Healthcare. Thank you for joining us. And there's a lot of other um, acronyms, MPH. Master Public Health. IC. CCE, um, International Childbirth Certified Educator, Woo. IBCLC, International Board Certified Lactation Consultant, RLC, Registered Lactation Consultant. I thought that was the acronym for my full name, Rebecca oh, Lynn Cressman. So we are going to be talking about uh, breastfeeding. We're going to be talking about mother's milk, its role in helping newborns heal. Joining us in studio is a mother who knows firsthand the impact it can have, Alexa Welch. She's the mom of baby Harper, and you may be hearing baby Harper in the background as that beautiful 14-month-old baby baby is crawling around the studio. Alexa, thank you for joining us. Oh, I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And it's fun because we'll be able to weave in your journey, your experience uh, to the very topic today. So Mountain West Mother's Milk Bank, for many of our listeners, it may be the first time they're hearing that we have a milk bank in the Mountain West here that is taking care of a lot of babies who are either born prematurely or they're in the newborn intensive care unit. So could you give us the big picture of the role of Mountain West Milk Bank? Um, yeah, so the, the milk bank is, um, we are operating under Hembanus. I want to just go back just a little bit so that we know that milk banking is not something new, but it's something that's been around a long time. So Hembana is the Human Milk Banking Association of North America. And there are milk banks in various places throughout the country, but there has not been one in Utah. Our closest one is in Denver. So we've been operating under Denver for quite a while. And um, a group of us got together about 11 years ago and said, we need a milk bank in Utah. So we started putting that plan in place. And now we are very close to have a fully functioning milk bank here. 11 years ago is when it started here in Utah. And yet, I let's see, I, I delivered my youngest baby and raised my children largely here in Utah, I do feel passionately about um, educating mothers and supporting them if they choose to breastfeed their children. And, and I've been involved in, in health initiatives, but I'm the one who is ignorant that did not know about the Mountain West Mother's Milk Bank. And Alexa, as we start to hear more of your story, you hadn't heard about the milk bank, correct? That is correct. I had no idea that it existed or you know what I had thought of donor milk just came from mothers like selling their own milk. 
which gives a kind of a different connotation. So we're Definitely. going to we're going to address that head on because there is a difference between somebody just blindly breastfeeding someone else's baby and the process that's involved in the Mountain West milk bank. So can we talk a bit about that? What I guess let's step back again. The milk bank provides a, a mother's milk to newborns in need? Um, yeah. So a milk bank is um, going through a process of screening and pasteurizing uh, milk before it's distributed. It's also pooled so that there are a variety of mom's milk in one batch. And this helps to ensure that the nutrition content is good and um, that there's variation in what's in that milk because milk is a it's a live substance and it changes from person to person. So um, we just want to ensure that the babies in the NICU are getting the best start. The other option that has been uh, mentioned here is it's milk sharing um, and it's um, an informal process. Typically, there's not that screening process that, that goes underway. And so with our milk bank, we want to really ensure because these are fragile, critical babies that we're making sure that they're getting the best and the um the pasteurized product so that we know it's safe. Alexa, I want to tap into your story now because your journey is going to parallel the knowledge journey of many of us who are unaware of how it can help a family. So take me back to two years ago or so when you were 32 weeks along. Yeah. So um, it's crazy just to think that that was that long ago. But um, so my husband and I um, actually took a trip to Lake Powell with my family um, I got the okay from my doctor. He had checked me. I was at 31 weeks. He said, you're good to go. So we went and um, it was hot. <laughs> and um, we didn't know if we'd stay the whole time, just depending on how I was feeling. And my husband and I, the it was a Sunday. The, it would have been July 23rd. We decided that we should go home. Um, we just had a really strong feeling. I wasn't having any symptoms of anything. Um, no Braxton Hicks, nothing that was telling no, or, or contractions. At, no, at that point it was just like, we just felt pretty strong that we needed to go home. And so, um, it was pretty late that night. So we went to bed that night and then the next morning got up, um, to head home. And I had started that morning. I started to cramp a little bit. I didn't think much of it. Um, I mean, had you had, um, contractions before what they call Braxton Hicks before? You know, they had never said that they were Braxton Hicks, but I had similar cramps and it mm -hmm. was just like dehydration or like an infection or so I just kind of assumed like I've been in the heat for five days. I didn't drink enough water. You and, know. And, and I should mention that she studied nursing at Utah Valley University. So you're familiar with some of the health topics as you were a pregnant woman down in the yeah. in the heat at Lake Powell. Sure. Definitely. Mm -hmm. And so we started our drive home. It was funny because we weren't in a big, big hurry. We... um Stopped an A in Hanksville, and my husband about Wellington got tired, so I drove the remainder home, and we got home about 5 p.m., and I was exhausted and still cramping, but again, I was like, it's normal, you Put know. Put my feet and, up when I get home. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So we went right to bed, and I woke up about every hour, and the cramps were a little worse, and I just didn't feel good in general, but still nothing alarming. Um, until three in the morning, I woke up and I did have a little bit of spotting. Um, and that's when I woke my husband up and we decided we better go in just to get 
check to be sure. And at this point, you're eight weeks before your due date. Yeah. Yeah. So we were one day before 32 weeks. So it's funny to think back like it's our first baby. So you don't really know exactly what to expect. But we um, we were living in Utah County at the time, but our doctor was at the U. So we drove to the University of Utah Hospital. Um, and about halfway there, I got really uncomfortable. Um, I don't know if uncomfortable even describes it, but we were both really naive, no idea what we were getting into. Got to the hospital about five in the morning. Um, and when I got there, uh, I, things had gotten, I was just feeling horrible and they, they checked me and I was at a four and a hundred percent effaced. Um, 100% effaced for those who've not been pregnant before, for men who are listening, who may be unfamiliar with it as well. That is how the body begins to open itself up, or shall I say, thin itself out, the muscles, so to prepare for the delivery of a baby. So that's one of the measurements. Am I, am I correct, Elizabeth, saying that's one of the indicators that her body was yes, preparing you're, you're to deliver? absolutely right. It's the thinning process of the dilation. So that must have been a bit scary for you to hear that. Yeah, it was. I think we were definitely in shock. I mean, people are like, how did you do it? And I'm like, we didn't have a choice, <laughs> you know. Um, but the nurse, when she said, okay, Alexa, you are in preterm labor, I remember thinking like, that doesn't happen to me, you know, and the scariest part at that point, they were looking for Harper's, um, heartbeat and it, it took them about three minutes to find it, Mm -hmm. which felt way more than that. Three hours. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They found it and, you know, long story short, um, doctor was hoping it would slow down, but it didn't. I went from a four to a six in 25 minutes. And at that point, they moved me into the delivery room that is actually connected to the NICU at the U, um, which is incredible. I mean, and we had some time, not much time, but before Harper came and the NICU staff came in and talked with us just about what to expect. And, you know, Harper could need a lot of support or very little support. And they also explained that they would be taking her immediately through that window to the NICU. Um, So... Uh, Harper was born before noon, and things I was things went as smoothly as we didn't have any complications as far as the delivery goes, um, and that's kind of what began our journey in the NICU. And I, and I love that. Let's transition. Again, this is Alexa Welch who's joining us and we're talking about the Mountain West Mother's Milk Bank. And there will be many different facets of information about this milk bank that will be helpful to you. So I appreciate you sharing that experience. Take me to the newborn in- uh, intensive care unit at the U and a fragile baby, like a baby at 32 weeks. This is Elizabeth Smith who works in patient services. She's a baby-friendly coordinator at the University of Utah Healthcare. What are we concerned about when we have a baby born prematurely? Oh, there's so much that we're concerned about. Um, They were luckily at a point where we consider that viable. Um, That baby's got a really good chance of living. But the biggest things initially we're going to worry about are going to be breathing, first of all, Um, blood glucose, jaundice, things like that that are much more common in those early babies. Um, And then making sure that she's got the ability to feed somehow because that that, um, rooting reflex doesn't even come on until a little bit past that. And so figuring out just the best way to support these early babies. So this little baby was born Harper early enough that she would not automatically begin to suck and and know that instinct because that's developed later. That is developed a little bit later. Tell me, the Mountain West Mother's Milk Bank, it actually helps then provide 
mother's milk, breast milk for fragile babies like Harper? Um, at, and, and how is that milk provided? So um, the milk is provided by collecting it from donors. And so um, what we know is that when a baby is born early, the mom's chances of being able to provide enough milk for her baby is low. About 30% of NICU moms have that ability to provide enough milk. That leaves 70% of those moms who, for various reasons, are just not able to produce enough. So in other words, not only does the baby not have the automatic rooting, then the mother's body wasn't prepared yet to produce the milk either. Yeah, it's okay. just not. It's not a good setup from the start. And then we can't um, ignore the fact that that is a very stressful situation to be in, and that extra stress is going to have some impact on the milk production. So these moms need a lot of support. These babies need support. And this is where we can jump in and really be that link to help this to be a better situation. Why is breast milk or mother's milk so um, vital or, or such an important resource for fragile babies? So we know from the numerous studies that are out there that breast milk is the best nutritional source for all babies. But when we have a baby who is early, it has to do with the gut. And so the gut is more fragile when they're, um, when they're premature preterm babies. And um, human milk has the ability to coat that gut. It acts kind of like a Teflon coating. And it keeps bacteria from perforating into, um, into that, that whole gut system and causing illness. And so we have a decrease. It's a tenfold decrease in necrotizing enterocolitis, which means it's an infection in the gut, which can be, it can be deadly. It also can be a million dollars that's added on to the cost of that preterm baby, premature mm. baby. So it is so critical that we, we treat that gut and make sure that that baby gets not only the adequate nutrition, but that protection. As Harper was born at noon, how soon was she able to receive milk from the Mountain West Milk Bank. How did that work for you? Because as a new mom, I would not have been familiar with this. Yeah, no, we weren't at all. Actually, the first, you know, things are kind of fuzzy, those right first. So I don't know exactly how long. Um, I know it was a day or two or maybe even a little bit more. What's it called when they get fed, Elizabeth, through their vein? Is it TP? Like a port? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they would. Yeah, they get the nutrition. um outside of, of a food source early on. Um, it, and it, again, it depends on how that baby's doing. Sometimes they can get colostrum, which is that first milk right away. Usually that's available from the mom. Um, but then depending, they might go to alternative nutrition sources and then move on to so milk. So it might be done through like a catheter or port, or it yeah. might be with a feeding tube. There's yeah. different ways they try to help hydrate yeah. and feed your baby. Yeah. So mm -hmm. for the first few days, they didn't do anything even in a tube. It was all through an IV. Um, and they explained to me how that way, like they were able to see exactly like how much iron she needed and how much and they pretty much built something to give her and it just looks like water really like it it is weird I had no idea so anyway but um after a few days they did put a feeding tube in and at um right after Harper was born I started pumping and pumping <laughs> And pumping some more, and even and you were the, doing that because you're you're being coached and encouraged. Like yes, the more you pump, definitely. the more your body will respond and pr yep. produce milk. Okay. And like learning how important that milk was for Harper. And it's interesting, Elizabeth. I love hearing you say like that. It's thirty percent of women or moms that can because 
I didn't know that. And so it was so frustrating. So much pressure on yourself. Oh, I probably felt more guilt and more shame, not because I couldn't breastfeed my baby, but because she was in this fragile state and she needed that. It's so, I, and I don't know, as a NICU mom, there's almost nothing you can do. Like you can be there and sometimes you can't even touch them, you know? But I was like, this is what I can do for her. So I started pumping and got almost nothing to begin with. And so when they did start the, you know, feeds through her feeding tube, it was 100% donor milk, um, which they talked to us about beforehand. Um, and I have to tell you, it's kind of funny. When they first mentioned it, my husband and I looked at each other and we were like, what? I don't know that I want our baby to get another woman's breast milk. You it, know? Felt, it felt too intimate? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just like, is it safe? Is it? And that's when they educated us on um, the milk bank and how it's different and how, you know, specifically this milk bank is it, the milk only goes to NICU babies. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Um, and so when they explained the process to us that it was, um, you know, the mothers were screened to begin with and then it was even pasteurized and they explained the importance of it. Eric and I, my husband, we did not even hesitate. It was just a no brainer. If it could help Harper, do it. Um, and it wasn't like, oh, we'll use this milk and I'll stop pumping. I still continued it seems very to similar to donating blood, that in order to give life-saving blood to someone else, we do have a screening process to make sure it's safe. And so the Mountain West um, uh, Mother's Milk Bank is operating off of that idea that those who would prefer or would like or offer to donate, wonderful, let's screen and make sure it's as healthy as we need it. And the, and the mm-hmm. screening criteria that we use is almost identical to the screening criteria for blood donation. How do you find women who are able to donate mother's milk? In Utah, it's actually um, not hard. We have a community that is very healthy and um, highly motivated, and it is something that is valued in our community. So we do have a lot of women who are willing to donate. And and you have sites across Utah where they can go to? Yeah, we have grown from having four sites to 26 sites, 27 active sites now, that... um, we can have moms can drop off their milk there. So it makes it a lot easier for them. Then we do all the courier to get it to the right places. Um, and, and so we have a very willing and able population and we need more because we have a high population of prematurity only because we are the Intermountain Center. So anyone rural and has a premature issue, preterm issue is going to end up in Utah. And so we have a lot of other babies who are coming here and need that help. Uh, The mothers then go to a site that is near them to donate that blood. That blood then is taken to another location in Denver to be pasteurized. Is that correct? And let's go back to milk, though, because it slipped into blood. But um, we do do a blood sample Mm -hmm. initially when um, they are getting screened in order to check for certain bacteria and viruses. So they drop off their milk. They drop off their milk. Uh And it's sent to Denver. Sent to Denver. Does that delay things for you? Would it be better for Mountain West Mother's Milk Bank to have local pasteurization? Absolutely. And that is in our plan. We are hoping to have that up and ready to go very early into 2019. So we need to just take the next two steps in order to get to fully pasteurizing. I've heard that there are some uh, fundraising opportunities with Mountain West Mother's Milk Bank. So I I start to see, okay, first, we need more um, women to donate mother's milk. 
breast milk uh, to locate those sites and where they can uh, uh, donate and where they can be screened and help save these newborns' lives, which is just really powerful. I know for me, it would have been spectacular to think about how my milk would have helped a baby in need. I'm sure you now feel that emotion. Oh, definitely. That's why I'm here. I mean, that's why I'm sharing my story is because, I mean, these like selfless mothers, they did something for my baby that I couldn't. And I'll be forever grateful for that. And, you know, I may never be able to produce enough milk to donate, um, but that's why I'm trying to find other ways to help this organization because it's it's selfless and it's amazing. And telling your story is a powerful way to do it. Um, for community support, beyond getting more of us donating mother's milk, you talked about the pasteurization, trying to get enough money to complete the construction of a local pasteurization plant. What other, other needs are there? Um, well, there's always volunteer opportunities, people who would be interested in helping out um, on say a fundraising committee would be a great idea. So if somebody was interested in in helping out with that or had other specialized area or interest, um, they can absolutely give us a call at the Milk Bank. The best way to reach us is to go to our website, which is uh, www.giveyourmilk.org. And um, so that's the best way to make that contact. But um, someone could contact me at boardchair at giveyourmilk.org. Org, and that would come straight to me and I can also help to get that information disseminated that you're interested in, get you in the right areas. So from a community standpoint, that's good. Or even just spreading the word, letting people know that this is something that exists. And if you are able to donate milk, that's wonderful and we need that. And then we do have annual fundraising events and hopefully this year we'll have some even more additional fundraising events where um, people can donate money and resources. This is Elizabeth Smith. She is with Patient Services and Baby Friendly Coordinator at the University or with University of Utah Healthcare. You're also a founder of the Mountain West Mother's Milk Bank. I am. I was on the original committee that met in the basement of the library 11 years ago and tried to figure this out. And now I am the recently elected board chair. We can hear. Congratulations on that. And thank you for seeing a need and creating a way to take care of that need. In the background, if you're fortunate, you might have been hearing the little pitter-patter and and, uh, and voice of our baby Harper. Can you give us an update, Alexa, on how Harper is doing? Yeah, I would love to. Um, so Harper is your typical, just like, uh, busy, happy um, spunky one-year-old. I mean, she, she had a great winter. We, um, she did not get sick. Um, she actually got her first cold in July. So almost a year later. Um, and she now, um, she's still kind of little, which, you know, two months early. Um, but she's on the charts, which is huge. Cause when we brought her home, she wasn't even, you know, close to that. And she um, she is off of formula and drinking regular milk now, which they didn't even foresee that happening as soon as it did. It's harder for the gut to break down the protein. Yep. And she's eating solid food. Um, she crawls. She's close to walking. And she's really just she's I don't know. It's she's a light. And obviously, you know, she's my whole world. Um, but. 
I can't, words can't even, you know, express the gratitude that we have for obviously like the organization, but for mothers who donated and even just people who have donated their time. She's echoing your words. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, her first birthday was a huge milestone for us. I mean, um, really emotional for me. Um, we, we had a big party and, um, I took some pictures of her actually holding one of her NICU pictures and you could really see that difference. And, um, she's not quite old enough to understand, but we will definitely tell her what a miracle baby she is and tell her all the people involved that saved her life. And I can't wait till the day that we like can take Harper to a fundraising event and she can help um, in whatever way and give, you know what I mean? Like I, I do that, just, that give back. Yeah. Right. And for her to do it versus me and Eric, well, you know, Alexa, it is so beautiful to meet you and to see your beautiful baby. And I know just hearing her little coos in the background and knowing their stories behind that Elizabeth, before I let you go, I know that a lot of people will want to follow you on social media or the Mountain West Mother's Milk Bank. And so on social media, I know that you're on Twitter, on Instagram, but you use the acronym, right? Uh, um, yeah, we we typically go with giveyourmilk.org because it's easy to remember. But yes, we are. We're out there on Facebook. I have to confess, I'm really more in the age group that I use Facebook and not so much <laughs> okay, Twitter gonna... and Instagram and all of those things. But they are out there for everyone else who utilizes those. Well, and I use the word acronym. I'm just going to say M W M M B M. WMMB. Look for that on Facebook, on Instagram. You mentioned it's a great website, uh, giveyourmilk.org. Easy to remember the email address, info at giveyourmilk.org. And there's a toll-free donor contact number as well. Do you have that? Yes, I do have the um, the contact number. It's 877-367-9091. 1-877-367-9091. The Mountain West Mother's Milk Bank saving the lives of these fragile newborns because of the generosity of a whole community working together. Elizabeth, thank you for joining us. That's Elizabeth Smith, the founder of Mountain West Mother's Milk Bank, and Alexa Welch, a proud mommy of a 14-month-old Harper. Thank you for joining us on this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum.